Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. This is probably my favorite Buffy episode of the whole series. And Jay Newcastle. I mean, seriously. Okay, I got real problems. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios, and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to the Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Season 4, Episode 6, Wild at Heart, written by Marty, I get my naughty on, Noxon. <laughs> 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 this never gets old. I know, and it never will. We're going to have to get creative, though. <laughs> Killer running out. <laughs> yeah, she's got a long way to go. All right. All right. One night, while dusting a vamp on campus, we see Spike watching Buffy and hearing her complain about any real challenges in slaying lately. He then begins to talk aloud to himself about how he's going to really get her this time, when out of nowhere, Spike is shot with a taser. Unable to move, we see our mysterious commando people drag him off into the woods. Meanwhile, Oz escapes from his cage while in wolf mode, runs across another werewolf, and wakes up next to her naked in the wilderness the next morning. We learn that the werewolf is none other than Veruca, who had invited him to hear her band in the last episode. She scoffs at his caged living habits and tells him that the wolf is part of him and he should just run free, do what he wants, with whoever he wants, and even kill people for food if necessary. Oz rejects this notion, but doesn't want her running free the night of the full moon. So, he fixes up his cage, invites over, and locks her in with him. The two start getting hot and heavy before the wolf takes over, and Willow arrives at the cage the next morning and finds them there together naked. Willow cries, they argue, she runs off, almost getting hit by a car before Riley steps in for the rescue. Buffy leaves to find Veruca, armed with a tranquilizer rifle, but her search comes up empty as Veruca has planted clothes to throw her off the trail. Veruca finds Willow and locks her in the lab, intending to wait for the sun to set so she can attack and kill her, and claim Oz all for herself. Oz arrives in time and in wolf form and kills Veruca. Buffy arrives just in time to stop him from attacking Willow. Oz realizes that Veruca has some valid points. He doesn't have control over the wolf, the wolf is a part of him, and he decides that he needs to leave town and figure things out. He and Willow share a heartbreaking goodbye, and Oz drives away. And that is Wild at Heart. Wow. You know, we were complaining pretty much the whole last episode about how we didn't think this season was going anywhere and everything kind of seemed perfunctory and blah 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 and then leave it to good old marty to hit us right in the chest <laughs> man what a what a gut wrencher you know so many things to talk about here but i do want to spend a few minutes at the beginning brian talking about this whole opening yeah. with Spike and the Commandos. We, we got to get that out of the way before we get to what the theme of the episode is, which is the growing apart in relationships bit. We'll get to that. Let's set all the, van the, the werewolf stuff to the side. Okay. So we've seen these Commandos a couple times. We've seen them tase a random vamp before, right? Mm -hmm. But now Spike in his traditional way is standing off afar talking trash and <laughs> Then out of nowhere, and they get him. And I, I immediately know, well, I've already guessed wrong about what I thought this season's thing was going to be because I thought Spike was brought back to be the bad, but 
clearly now he's the captive of these commandos, but we still don't know anything about him. And I got to tell you, it's starting to drive me nuts. I got to know who the commandos are. Yeah, and I agree. The only thing that we've had any kind of inkling that could be the big bad has been Spike. He's now appeared a couple times in this season, and I was I was all for it because Spike is one of my favorite characters of the Buffy series, and uh, you know he was very fun in season two, came back briefly in season three, and now shows up in season four, and you're thinking, good, we got something to, for Buffy to get into. We've got a you know a past history here that they can play off of, you know, something to kind of bring back everything. And then this happens. And I agree, you're getting frustrated because you only see these commandos once every, what, two or three episodes, and it's for a split second, so you have no freaking clue what's going on with them. And that's driving me crazy as well. It is really, really strange. And and to just follow Spike's line for a minute here, folks, he was on Buffy, found the gem of Amara, lost the gem to her, the gem went to Angel, and over on Angel's show, there's a whole episode where he's basically chasing Angel down, trying to get the thing back. They have a big fight. He almost gets you know burned alive again, of course, as he always does in the sunlight. But Spike ultimately gets away, but he's had a throwdown with Angel again. And it's a pretty good one, too. So he's just had his... You know, butt handed to him twice again. So you got to wonder how frustrated Spike's getting with all of this. And then out of nowhere, electrocution. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, you're done. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird way to start. Now, you know, the, the humor of it or the way it, it's the only humorous thing in the episode because everything else in this episode is really heavy. So I think they threw it in there to, one, they wanted to keep sprinkling commandos in there for us because they're going to come up and they're going to reveal them eventually. But they needed something to lighten the load here. I really feel like uh, this was put they- in to, to lighten what comes. And if that's the case, they did it wrong. You don't do it at the beginning of the episode. You do it in the middle so that you can take a break from the hard and heavy stuff. Not right away where you're thinking, oh, that, this is fun. And then all of a sudden, boom, the rest of the episode, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? You're right. In normal convention, you're right. But this show breaks and defies convention in a lot of ways. So they put the laugh at the beginning because the last episode was a big joke. You know, the beer episode. And so they put the laugh at the beginning, and then comes the dark stuff. And I guess that's where we need to transition and talk about really the stars of the episode, Oz, Willow, and Veruca. That, that's who mm-hmm. this is all about. And I got to tell you, three three command performances by our actors here. Every one of them really brought the A-game for this one. Yeah, I, lo- I like this episode a lot. And this, like you said, this is... Nothing really much to do with Buffy. Definitely nothing much to do with Xander. Nothing much to do with Giles. This is all about Willow and Oz and to get us um, to a point where we understand where that relationship is going to be this season, which is basically nowhere. <laughs> so, um, but they did it so well. The whole Veruca thing has been played out now over the course of the last um, five episodes, two really two episodes. It's been played out now, and it's been building, and now we get it all come to fruition. And why is Oz so infatuated with her? We find out because Veruca is also a werewolf, and the animal instincts in them have driven them together. They they sense each other, and I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, and like I told on myself last time, I thought Veruca was a vampire or something because mm-hmm. the way she was holding his attention or whatever, but makes total sense that another werewolf would give him these looks and would uh, command so much of his attention. I mean, it's like, it's not 
just that Oz is infatuated with her. And I do think that he is. I don't think he can help himself. Right. I think he's so drawn to her because of that kinship. And he doesn't have control over the wolf part of himself. We threw that in back in Fear Itself, remember? Yep. Yep. You know, and so he that's a thing for Oz. I really kind of think, you know, you take out episode five. Episode four and six are really the, the Oz story here for for the better part of Buffy, because you know it, he's he's leaving, and so you don't know what what his future is, and it you see that his struggle is as confident and as cool and as cocky as he is. There's one thing he can't control in his life, and it drives him over the edge. And this girl is just drawing that out of him, and that is such a cool dynamic to introduce. It's a fantastic dynamic, and I just love that that connection that they have. And he can't figure it out. I mean, he can't, but he also can't see that it's. Uh, taking up so much of his attention. You know, Willow keeps asking if he's okay, if something's wrong, and he just keeps brushing it off. I don't think he realizes how uh, much of his attention Veruca is getting. And he definitely doesn't realize what it's doing to Willow. You can see Willow is just torn by this whole thing. She, she doesn't want to be around him when Veruca's around because she she's second fiddle now, and she can't figure out why. Well, even Giles notices there's something different about her. They're all at the bronze, and they're watching Veruca's band play. And she's up there. They're watching her play. And he's like, you know, for someone her age, she has you know a lot of maturity. She's really got a lot of control of her performance. And she's really bringing something, you know. And they're all looking at him, of course, like, what? how would you know, you know. And I do think that's, that's again, a little bit of a funny. It's like, oh, wow, we're all hanging out at the bronze like old times. And now Giles is here. And that's a little weird. And, you know, Giles doesn't know where he's supposed to be either. I think it's kind of a misdirect, too, from them to, th- to make us think that it's a guy thing with Veruca. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's what they threw it in for because it looks like Giles is kind of, you know, infatuated as well. But, yeah, I kind of thought it was odd that Giles is joining them at the Bronze because I don't recall him really ever doing that much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, matter of fact, I don't know that he's ever been there except the opening two episodes of the, the show. <laughs> and also... Uh, I don't recall a lot of college kids coming to the bronze. It was kind of a high school yeah. hangout. So why do we have to go back to the bronze? They have this nice little outdoor coffee thing that they keep bringing back over the episodes. Why couldn't we make that the hangout place? Well, you know, the last coffee house got burnt down by the cavemen. So that's one issue. But no, I'm with you. I, I had the same question. I was like, why are we still going back to the bronze? Like, and I think it's across I town. Think of is the, that and here's the only thing I can think of. Veruca's playing there, so there. Okay, that's the convenient part of it. But I think Willow is like, let's get everybody back together like it used to be, and things will be normal. Because I think she can tell too, things aren't normal. Buffy's not yeah. acting normal. Xander and Anya really, and Oz, what's wrong with you? You know, I think Willow is trying to grasp at. Willow's trying to grasp at normalcy and let's get things back on track and all that stuff. And you know, you go back to what's familiar to you. Yeah. And the bronze is still familiar, and it and you know I'm with you. I look at that as a high school hangout, but it's still in the show. So. And, and 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 I like how they've written it too, because you see, you can see it's kind of awkward for them every time they're at the bronze. Something is awkward about it for them, and you can see they're kind of like, is this really where we're supposed to be? They kind of work that into how the char- characters act when they're at the bronze. So I like that too. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that before, but now that you mentioned it, that makes total sense. Yeah, that's a good pickup. So, I, there, I, the way Veruca operates, 
you know, we talked last time about Parker's philosophy of life, if you will. Well, what do you make of Veruca's way of thinking about being a werewolf? Um, I think it's probably the more natural way for someone who has a part demon. I mean, werewolf is considered a part of a, as a demon, right? To think they've been given this power. And so they're drunk on the power and she's drunk on the power. I don't care what people think. They, I can do whatever I want. I'm a werewolf. Then what are they going to do to stop me? I'll, I'll disagree with you on one thing. I don't think she's drunk on it. I think she's confident with it. She knows what she is. She doesn't care what anybody else thinks, and she's just going to do what she wants. I don't see it that way. I think she's drunk on it. I, I, I don't think she's confident on it at all. I think she's just like, I can do whatever I want because nobody's going to stop me. And I don't think that's confidence. I think that's using power inappropriately. Well, confidence can be misplaced. I mean, that's for sure. So I, we're talking about the same thing. We're just reading it a little differently, I think. Mm. But either way, it works because it, it it puts her in a different camp than Oz, our friendly werewolf, right? Who's still pretty scary and vicious. I mean, they still got to trank him and they cage him up and or he cages himself up and that whole bit. Now, you know, werewolfism in traditional deconstructionist literature philosophy, Brian, is considered to be this struggle of males dealing with the onset of puberty and manhood and kind of coming to terms with all of that stuff. I don't know that that plays that way here. I don't know if that's what Oz's struggle is. I also don't no. see it as a metaphor for, you know, repressed feelings about one thing or another or whatever. I think it is the idea of responsibility and power and just not knowing how to deal with it. I mean, what do you think? No, I agree with you. I don't think it has anything to do with the popular mythos of, of a werewolf either. I think it's all about um, trying to, to uh, control the animal inside of you. And I think that's all it is, is, is trying to, what do you do with this, this animal that's in there? Because Oz is, is very you know quiet. He comes off as very confident, but he's got this something real powerful and real dangerous inside of him. And you wouldn't know it by the way he acts. And so it's him trying to deal with that side of him that he doesn't like to show to other people. He's struggling with how much longer can I keep up with this? How much longer do I have to lock myself away when there's a full moon and be afraid of something else going on and, you know, wake up and, you know, and he's even got to the point where he's waking up in the woods next to somebody and he doesn't know what happened. That's like going to a party and hooking up with someone in the next morning going, ooh, what was that? You know, yeah. that's, I mean, that, and that's their first, you know, thing. And he sees him in concert and then that night he gets out of the cage because, you know, you assume he hears her howling off in the distance and then they wind up frolicking in the, you know, the wood together. Yeah. And what I liked about that too is when they do wake up together, he's just like, what, what's going on? And she says, oh, that's right. You don't remember what happened to you. Well, that'll, that'll come in time. So you know that yeah. he'll start remembering what he does in his animal form at some point in time. And I think that kind of scares Oz right there. He doesn't want to know what he does in his animal form because he's afraid that he's killing people. Well, he doesn't want to be a monster. You know, that's the, the whole thing. Is that That's not what he wants to be, but he is one, and he hasn't really dealt with that yet. He's done everything he can to repress it. And... I, you know, you kind of get the feeling that what Veruca turns him on to 
even beyond herself and the whole animal magnetism bit is the make some decisions for yourself. Do what you want to do. Don't worry about everybody else for once. And that, you know, Oz is a nice guy. He's a good guy. And he's, you know, done a lot of things for other people out of the goodness of his heart. And this is the first time we get to see him consider being a little bit selfish. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that um, it also goes back to the whole trust factor. When uh, Willow and Xander were caught and that the whole thing broke between those two and he decided to give it another chance, you know that the trust is not there. And I think that plays into more of him being able to let himself go. It's A lot of it's the animal inside of him, but I think also because of what happened in the past he's more um, willing to go with it. And that's why you see before they actually turn into vamp- or to werewolves at, uh, at sunset, they start going at each other. Yeah, and, and Willow even brings that up when she catches him the morning after in the cage. It's like, so I, I had this coming? Is that what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, th- that's still fresh on her mind, too. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, we talk about Buffy needs to get over stuff. Willow still hadn't got over that or, you know, the, the sin of that or whatever you think. So, I mean, it's, I mean, th- there's so much stuff going on here. And it, it all, you know, what you would like to happen is that everybody gets a little time to sort of be cool-headed and think about stuff. But in the Buffy world, particularly if Marty Noxon's driving the, the boat, that ain't going to happen. You're going 100 miles an hour toward the coast, you know, and you got to do stuff, and it, it all crashes at the same time. And it really brings the emotional level of the show up to a place I don't think it's been this season. And I like that. I really appreciate that. For sure. You get you get a lot of good emotion in this episode. You get anger. You get frustration. You get, you know, heartbreak and sadness and and confusion i mean you get a wide array of emotions in this episode and this makes it such a great episode for the season and it, it deals with something that you knew the instant that uh xander or that uh willow and xander were caught and uh oz decided to take her back you knew at some point down the line this was going to come to head again and the relationship seemed like it was doomed from the get-go at that point, I thought. Well, that's a that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that, and I didn't think about it. I wondered how much longer the relationships would last, because if anything is true, is this show really does mirror a lot of what happens in life. And high school romances rarely, rarely last. But even beyond that, in this show's own little eh, M.O., relationships don't last long and they end in disastrous ways. <laughs> you know, no one's really just broken up and been okay with it. You know, that, that just hasn't happened, you know? And I mean, even, even Cordelia and Xander, who are the two humans that broke up with each other. What did we get out of that? We got weird love spells. We got, you know, ostracization. We got a lot of hurt feelings. We got a different side out of two people, you know, and, and you got a, you know, different Xander out of that experience too. and, even that one, you know, not to mention you introduce all these supernatural elements with vampires and werewolves and witches and all this other stuff. Who knows the consequences? And I think it's interesting that everybody kind of loses their cool at some point in this show. Willow loses hers to the point. What does she go do, Brian? She goes to a chem lab to do what? She's going to put a spell on Oz. And I thought, huh, now that's interesting. You now got a witch who's just sort of coming into her own as being a witch. And the she gets really mad. What does she do? I'm going to use the piece of power I've got. That is scary, my friend. 
That is scary. And, and, you know, she's, she's hurting huge from what, what happened. And immediately, like you said, goes to her magic. And that's a scary thought right there. That's the last thing that you want to do is, is, is have her come after you, come after you with the magic. I mean, oh. And remember this too. Her spells are what? 50 50, right? So no telling what could happen if she actually <laughs> launched it. True. And I'm, I mean, that's that's the real scary part. And she does catch herself, and she stops. But yes. th- she still went there. That's that's pretty dark for Willow. Yeah, it's very dark. And, and it was it was interesting. I kept watching going, are you really going to do this? I mean, wow, I know we hurt you, but do you want to? I mean, she's basically giving it absolutely no more chance if she goes through with that spell. There will be no chance that they ever get back together again if she goes through with the spell. And I think that's the realization she gets in her mind is that just as she's about to finish the spell, she realizes that if she goes through with this, there's no chance they can reconcile. She she needs to talk to him first and then stops. Had she done that, there would have been nothing. And it, even though maybe there's nothing that will come of it ever again, she now has a chance because she stopped doing that. And she even goes back to him and thinks that they're going to talk it over and figure out where to go from there at the end of this episode. Yeah, but of course, that's not how it works out at all. Well, let's talk about that confrontation with Veruca there. You know, she corners Willow. You want to talk about tense, tense moment. I'm pee your pants scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was really good. Paige Moss, that we haven't mentioned her by name yet, who plays Veruca. I mean, that's maybe her best scene, and it's just the way she's talking to Willow, and it's almost like I, I want you to know, sweetie, I feel sorry for you that I'm about to do this to you, but in another way, I sort of disregard you because you're a lesser being than me, you know. And that is just when somebody's that sadistic and that sociopathic, that's really that's real scares. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably the very most intense scene uh, at the po- up to that point in the movie. I think the most intense scene is the end scene, but um, this was just powerful. You were you didn't know what was going to happen. Obviously, you, I thought Buffy was going to be the one to come in and help because she was on the tail, she was on the trail uh, of the of her and trying to get to her in time. But it was Oz, and I thought that was another interesting thing. Oz comes to give his one last. Um, gift, I guess, to Willow, and that is to stop Veruca from harming her. Yeah, and they both wolf out, and he, I mean, he rips her throat out, which is, that's pretty vicious, man. <laughs> and uh, and Buffy does show up in time to trank him, you know, which is good, because he's out of control at that point. And you know that he's not just saying that when he says, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm out of control. He's so out of control, he's about to lunge at Willow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Know, yeah. And that that raises the stakes so much more. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I caught that the first time I've ever seen this episode. Haven't seen it as many times as I have now. That rings so heavy because that's what he keeps saying is, I can't control this thing, I can't control this thing. And sure enough, he really can't. And if yeah. Buffy hadn't got there, I mean, Willow would have been dead. And Easily. Yeah. And I, and then you get that, that ending bit where Willow goes to see him and he's packing it up. And it's fantastic. I mean, she's there to see if there's a chance they can work things out or talk it over and see what's going on. Obviously, Veruca's gone, so that's no longer a problem between the two as far as her getting involved again. But uh, she thinks that maybe, you know, 
he forgave her once, she can probably forgive him for what he did too, and everything will be hunky dory. And that's definitely not what Oz sees. He is he's packing his bags. He's getting the heck out of town. He has come to the realization, as we said in in the uh, the uh, plot summary, he's come to the realization that he doesn't have control over the wolf inside of him, and it's a part of him, and he needs to get control of that if he ever wants to have uh, a sense that he can be there for Willow and never harm her. You know, he's, he knows that he could have killed her, and if it weren't for Buffy, he would have killed her, and I think that scares him too. And, you know, she lays uh, the, the, the greatest line, I think, in this whole episode episode was the final dialogue between those two where she she looks at him and says Oz don't you love me and his response is in all my life I've never loved anything else and you get the sense that that's true uh, you know he's got his music he's got you know his popularity but those are just there and you, you could tell with his music it's just a thing he does with Willow, that was that was him. That defined him. That was his life, and he's never had that connection. And that's why he's leaving. That's why he's going away, is because he doesn't want to hurt her any more than he already has. And he needs to go away and get control of the wolf inside of him so that he can come back and be there for her and know that he will never harm her. And that's why I think this whole point of that ending episode, uh, ending the episode the way it did was. And Willow doesn't realize that right now. She just sees that the love of her life is leaving. He's skipping town just when things get hard. That's what she sees. But what he's doing is going away and tr- going to find a way to control this animal inside of him so that he can come back to her and be the man he needs to be without a fear of hurting her. So, Jay, we, we're at the part of the episode now where we give our d- final dustings rating. So what do you give Wild at Heart? You know, Brian, I think you summed it up great there in the last thing she said. This episode is deep. It's dark. It's emotional. It's, it's everything I've been waiting for in a Buffy episode. Fantastic job, Miss Knox. And we pick up at you a bit when we throw the little words between your names and all that stuff. But this was a fabulous episode. And... Everybody in it brought a lot to the table. Our Oz and what was it? Seth Green and Allison Hannigan and Paige Moss really raised the bar a good bit on the acting, and it, it's just wonderful. And uh, I got to tell you, it, by far the best thing I've seen season four so far. Um, four dustings all the way. Strong, strong episode. Yeah, I definitely agree with you 100% here. This is emotional up and down from pretty much the get-go here this you know, other than the whole spike thing at the beginning which you can just throw away for now um it'll come back i guess in the next episode but for now we can throw it away because it really means nothing um this episode is a roller coaster ride you get the confusion you get the jealousy you get the 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 Pretty much every every emotion you could think of uh, in this episode, and that's what I love about it. And and on the on the Marty Knoxon thing, you know, we have a lot of fun with her, and I love that. And, but um, she writes really good episodes, and will continue to do so. She's had a couple stinkers, but for the most part, she's she really gets into these characters, and I think most of her episodes are built along one character story arc, and I like that. So for me, again, I agree. Four dustings, awesome episode. 
Absolutely. Folks, thank you for joining us for this latest episode in our podcast. You can find more episodes in the archive section of our website, theartofslaying.com. You can also find links to our movie review podcast, Film Strip. You can check out uh, what we've got going on over there. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, you know we post a lot of messages and stuff on there. We really appreciate interacting with you guys. Thank you so much for your support. We love doing this show, and it's so good to be back, and we are just getting things kicking here in Season 4. So until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to the episode. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios, and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. 